I used to wake up to this tune every morning in the early 90s while getting ready for school. It is, of course, the theme to GMTV, which, if you're not from the UK, was our commercial breakfast TV news programme. Although the saxophone really makes it sound like a daytime soap opera. But one of the stars of the show was a very brightly dressed man clad in lycra who would get the nation up and exercising first thing in the morning. He's here with me today to talk about his life. After that thing he did, please welcome Derek Evans, better known as Mr. Motivator. Derek, or Mr. Motivator, I should say, how are you? I am, you know, I looked in the mirror and as usual, the mirror just went, wow. (laughs) What do your mirror say? My mirror is screaming at me most mornings. But um, (laughs) I love that. Um, I love that even though everyone can't see you, you are still brightly coloured. I love it. Bright orange hat. Oh, yeah. You wouldn't be you if you didn't wear colour. No, but also if you want to feel good about yourself, don't get dressed in dark colours because it brings your spirit down. Come on. (laughs) The moment you put even just a hint of brightness, I'm not looking at you, Genevieve, but never mind. Well, I'm I'm in teal. That's (laughs) Yeah, teal. That's as bright as you get. (laughs) Not black. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Always bright colours, I'm afraid. It makes me feel so good. And I have to say congratulations because it was your 25th wedding anniversary a couple of days ago. Yeah. Um, I know you. you don't usually do anything special to celebrate, but as it was a big one, did you did you do anything to celebrate this year? If you were to ask my wife, she'll say, what's memorable about what we did? Well, number one, we're moving into a new home over the weekend. And then on Monday, we went out to eat. And Do you want to know where? We picked up some fish and chips and took it back home. Well, it's perfect, right? It's just, it's what's special for you. <laughs> Absolutely right. You remember that. But also, you know, our rule has always been that we don't really particularly lay much emphasis on particular days and dates in the year. You know, a lot of people get disappointed because February 14th came and their loved one didn't remember or didn't do anything. I think it's the days in between those dates that are more important and it's how you are. So if you're in a card shop and you find a card, it can be an anniversary whenever you like. Yeah. Me and my husband are the same. We don't do Valentine's Day. We don't do. We, Best we way. think it's it's nicer to surprise each other during the year with gifts and stuff. Absolutely right. I mean, I only have eight years of marriage under my belt so far. So I've got some way to match you, but uh, you're a baby. You're on the road. So if you need advice, call me in a few years' time. I give out advice <laughs> once we've done forty years. 25 is borderline. Well, many congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get down to business and enter the nostalgia zone. So um, you first burst onto our breakfast TV screens in 1993 on GMTV Mm. and got the whole nation exercising. Forget Joe Wicks, you were the original PE teacher. Mm. But it took you a little while to get there, not least because you were told the only person who could do fitness on TV was a white woman with two kids. Yeah, that's right. That's what happened. And uh, it's amazing. Actually, I don't wish to forget Joe Wicks, and I'll tell you why. Um, he's not a replacement for me. He's Joe Wicks. And Joe Wicks is actually appealing to a section of the market that likes what he does. So there's room out there for both of us to actually spread the message of wellness and fitness in whatever way we do it. I am very different. I'm musical, attitude, loud, you know, shouting with bright colors, making sure that everybody can take part. He's does a lot of fun things and he does a lot of serious things. And uh, so there's a place for both of us. But 
Yeah, you're right. It took a long while. And in many ways, there aren't many fitness people from the days when I started who are still around. I can't think of any, to be honest. And it's normally because they didn't get the marketing of what they're about right. And they didn't really capture the imagination of people out there. I was very blessed. I didn't strategically plan to behave the way I am. I behaved the way I am because that's who I am. And so everything I talk about comes from my heart. And when I say I genuinely care about how you move, how you stand, what you do, what you don't do, I mean it. And I've never, ever preached that you need to be lose weight. And I've never said, you know, you must go on a diet and stuff like that. I don't use those words because to me, you have a choice as an individual, whether you like the way you are or not. If you don't like the way you are, you can make changes. And if I can help you with those changes, fine. Um, but that's it. And that's always been my kind of um, message out there is, you know, let's get the nation fit and healthier. But you really persevered for a long time. I think you just turned 40 when you started on GMTV. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, you had a fitness studio and you're a personal trainer to the stars. What kept you knocking at that door? Uh, it was always the belief when I saw what they were doing, they were throwing away the, the fitness segment on television. I'd watched the Mad Lizzie do it. And I thought, you know, the only thing you remembered about the exercise was, there was on two things I remembered was she always wore a cardigan. And then she, <laughs> one person came on, I think it was David Mello in the day and he injured his back and he blamed it on her. That's the only thing I remember. Green Goddess. I remember a load of Green Goddess, but not the exercise. I remember her for being in green, blonde hair. And that was it. Uh, and I really honestly felt that there was a cry out going on for someone to say, well, let's dress up the pill of fitness and health in a kind of sugary coating, so to speak, so people don't know they're swallowing it. And that's how I came on. And that's why the colors, the attitude, the bum bag, the unitard, the odd, odd socks is all part of the marketing of what I believe is a way to actually make exercise accessible to all so that they focus on the fun and the enjoyment and they don't worry about anything else. Why should I be telling people, you must do 30 minutes a day with your heart rate in the training zone? What does that mean? Whereas if I say to you, listen, do six minutes with me, five minutes with me, three minutes with me, you feel better at the end of it. Isn't that great? Try it again tomorrow. That's a great, better message. Let's talk about your famous outfits, your, your brightly coloured, <laughs> psychedelic lycra unitards. Yeah. And at this point, I have to reveal that my husband was forced to dress up like you for his stag do in Amsterdam. Um, or, or bachelor party for our US friends. Mm. Um, unfortunately, I've seen the video evidence of him dancing on a bar to I'm Sexy and I Know It, which is something that I, something I can't unsee. Oh, my God. But uh, was there ever a question about your wardrobe choices from TV bosses? Um, no. In fact, they allowed me to be exactly who I wanted to be. I, I said, this is what you get. I said, listen, anyone who were before me and came on television in a black pair of shorts and a white top doing fitness, they're no longer to be seen. I believe I can impact on people. But the, the program controller, Bet bless his heart, is no longer with us because he died a, a few years ago. He saw through it all. And, um, you know, as one other person, in fact, the prelude to him was uh, another lady called Lollingham, who really believed in me. The program controller was someone I managed to start training purely by perseverance and uh, put both of them together. And they saw the potential for me doing something. And it, you know, everyone else didn't believe it. They didn't believe it. I remember the accountant saying, oh, this will never work. I'm only going to book him for six months. He'd be gone in a, no time at all. Even though he was told by everyone else to give me a contract for two years. I'm glad he didn't. Because after six months, I was really in a great position to say, ha, 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 ha. Now it's going to cost you more. <laughs> <laughs> 
sorry if this is a personal question, but what was in your ubiquitous bum bag or fanny pack again for our US friends? That's not a personal question. You know what? I've been asked that so many times. They say necessity is the mother of invention. Now, traditionally, when you're wearing a mic pack, and also if you have the them speaking to you in your ear and telling you, giving you a countdown when to come off screen, all those packs have to go in your back. So you've got your mic and you've also got the IFB in your back. And if I had to go on the floor to do some exercise, it felt uncomfortable. So I was thinking one day, what do I do to remedy this? And how can I make it so that it becomes part of what I was wearing? That's how the bum bag was born because literally it holds Genius. it holds my mic and it holds my feedback. And uh, we have leads that come out the back that go behind in my unitard. And then no one knows I'm wearing a mic. And everyone's asked over the years, what is it? There it is. That's it. Because there was a there was a cheeky suggestion a little while ago that you had to wear the bum bag to distract the eye from something else that was going on in your unitard. <laughs> well, there was a certain lady on breakfast television, right? And in fact, I had the, I don't know, it's fortunate way of meeting her the other day on a show where in fact, the reason why they brought me in was to get her to apologize to the nation. <laughs> so I walked in and I said to her, you got to apologize before I say anything to you to the nation because you distracted them away from what I was doing because you drew attention to what I was meant to be showing, right? And uh, and that was bad. <laughs> she apologized. She said, I'm sorry. That's okay. We're good friends, Lorraine Kelly. <laughs> so you helped make GMTV number one breakfast viewing. And yeah. they were really struggling in the ratings before you came along. Yeah, they were. But could you believe just how popular Mr. Motivator would become because I remember you were everywhere like kids loved you adults loved you celebrities like Cindy Crawford wanted to exercise with you on TV you had the biggest yeah. selling fitness DVD in the country what do you think was was your secret sauce you know what you asked that question and the one thing I've never done is to evaluate it because I was afraid of what am I find because I think sometimes if you're too self-critical about yourself you look at the image you portray look at what you say how you say it and then in the end, you go, you know, what? I don't like the way that sounds. So I've never really evaluated it. But in life for all of us, there's a moment when everything kind of comes together. That light bulb moment, the, the world collides. It's a bit like um, the best example I can give you is Michael Jackson doing Thriller. That was his greatest, biggest selling ever album. It, it propelled him everywhere. And from then on, he tried to reach that standard and he was never able to. Because at that moment in time, the world collide, and that was your moment. That was my moment in 1993. I am very blessed that I've almost been able to keep every year or every two years kind of regurgitate myself in a different form and, and come out the other side. And you mentioned about your husband um, wearing one of my unitard. Well, it's not. It's an imposter. <laughs> my, my unitard. Always getting one out. Very specially made, which is available via a company called, called Tiki Boo. And you can get the real stuff because the other stuff is cheap and horrible. Um, but but it, but I'm I'm convinced that listen if you bring joy to people if you make people smile they're going to remember that if you if listen there's not been anything negative thank God about me in the press and I've I've I, I'm just amazed because I'm just so fortunate right that people only speak highly of me I, I've been coming out of a cinema and people will you know grab me from behind you know grizzly beard give me a cuddle thanking me for only this morning a, a message came in from someone who actually echoed what your husband was saying. And I thought, you know, isn't that amazing? And this happens so often, right? Because what he goes, he goes, I'm a fan. And 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 I really want to go somewhere 
Uh, his words were, I've been a fan since childhood and really enjoy working out to your classes on YouTube. I would love to know where you get your great trademark outfits from because all the others are rubbish and I want to buy the real stuff. That's me. That's how it's, that's how it's been. So I won't analyze it. I'll just say to you, it works. It ain't broken. So I ain't going to fix it. It <laughs> keeps me young. I feel real good. And I'm going to keep on spreading the message out there. That, that's how fun. Let's talk about your dedication to the job because you did an early morning workout on live TV on your wedding day, which is something my husband did not do. I did. But speaking of your wedding, you had a magazine deal for the big day. Yeah. I was wondering, how'd you get your head around that? Because there's like the pressure of keeping it secret and then you've got to take cameras from people so nobody takes sneaky snaps and then there's paparazzi and then crowds that turn up to watch. I mean, that must have been a crazy day. Yeah. It was a crazy day. And you know what? I was working in Spain on Fun in the Sun. Uh, we're in Benidorm. And so the 26th of July um, was the wedding day. And my wife had planned for it to be an outdoor wedding. And we found this beautiful village in Kent called Chillum. And there's a castle on one side and the church on the other. We managed to get the church to say they'd marry us. And the, the castle said that we could use their grounds. But we also had inside as a kind of backup. But my wife had organized things like peacocks and clowns to keep the kids moved, uh, amused. And we had in the garden, we had, you know, blankets that people could sit down on. All that kind of stuff was arranged. But I couldn't come in until the 25th. On the 25th, it was pouring with rain. Pouring. And we thought, what are we going to do? Now, this wedding had been put together in four weeks. Wow. That's how quick it was. And so my wife's dress had to be made in in Nigeria because we decided we'd go for this kind of colorful Afro-Caribbean kind of wedding. Had to be made there and delivered on time and to be fitted because she was pregnant with our child and her stomach was actually slightly getting larger and stuff like that. But on the morning of the wedding, the sun came out and it was the hottest day of the year. Can you believe it? Wow. And, and everybody, I mean, the one thing that bugged me more than anything else is all the blankets, people stole them. Right, all the flowers that we right? everything went, everything went. Right, but but with with Hello Magazine, yeah, they did buy the rights to it, and I did it. Why not? You know, at the end of the day, right, it sold a lot of copies. It was front page, seventeen pages inside of everything to do with the wedding, and and it was a great day. Oh my goodness, it was just so lovely. The crowds were there, and I, the drive from the church to the castle was literally about two hundred yards. But we had to have Carl take us along that journey. It was lined on both sides with people. And, oh, you know what? It just brings back memories that come flooding back now. Mm. Great time. You wrote in your autobiography, um, which came out a couple of years ago, that the public demand for your time was sometimes unbearable for you. But did you feel conflicted because of the uncertainty of not knowing how long it would all last? So you kind of just say yes to everything in case it ends tomorrow? It wasn't so much that. It, it was more that you get wise with years, don't you? You get wise when you look back. And and for me, I've had a lot of not escalators taking me up. I've had a lot of escalators taking me down. And so when you're on an escalator going up, you really don't want to get off. You want to see how far it will take you. And on that basis, yeah, you do say, yes, yes, yes. But here's the situation. The station was being critiqued quite a bit by the governing body about what their output was. And I'll always remember The Guardian doing an article and only saying the one thing, good thing about GMTV was Mr. Motivator. But, but basically what happened was everybody was saying, listen, bring us more, give us more. And the result was they wanted me on literally almost every 15 minutes. 
I was on not necessarily doing fitness, but doing birthdays for kids or shout outs with people. And then they send me around the world. I've been, one minute I'm in Vegas, we closed Vegas Strip and uh, literally thousands of people and we're doing a live transmission into the station at two o'clock in the morning. That's my life. That's what happened. And, you know, I'd go around the world doing items for children, showing, teaching them about the um, history and the culture of a different area and different countries and stuff like that. So, yeah, the offers came in rife. You know, there were just loads of them and you had to go along with it. And needless to say, I was losing weight. Um, I didn't like the way I felt. And uh, after about five, six years of doing this, it felt the right time to kind of yeah slow down a bit. And whilst all this was going on, you had a long, drawn-out divorce and custody battle. Oh, yeah. And you were frequently in court. Yeah. I was too young at the time to be aware of, of grown-up news. Um, but when I think about how the press and social media are today with how they treat celebrities, did the, did the press treat you kindly at that time about it? Um, look, they're always interesting in a story. And so they were paying money left, right and centre to get any kind of story they could. Did I care about it? Not really, because the truth often sets you free. And so if if the newspaper article, in essence, is part true, that's fine. The only time it's hurtful is when it's a lie. Mm. And the thing is, there's a vindictiveness about relationships when they go wrong. There's, every, there's a lot of hurt involved. And for me, the only person to protect while this hurt is going on is my children, right? because they mean the world to me. And so what I did was I sheltered them from everything. I didn't care. You can say what you like about me. Don't say anything about my children, right? I mean, I won custody twice with my kids. That's the kind of daddy I am. I love my kids unconditionally. I do the world for them, right? And everything I do is for them. And, you know, my grandkids now are there and I, I'm just the biggest kid with them. And so I, I can't control what the press is going to do to sell newspapers. Uh, there was only one time he got, I got annoyed and, um, it was before my wife, and he was in between wife and next wife. And uh, is when they, they've kind of followed you around and, you know, they invaded every single space. And it wasn't because I was well-known. It's because the person I was with was well-known. And I wasn't really with that person. They got it totally wrong. I mean, it was a friendship, but they got it wrong. But there's no point you ever telling the press they get it wrong because then you draw attention. If they print a retraction, the retraction gets gets read by people who maybe didn't read the first article. So why do anything? So you leave it. I don't challenge it. Say what you like about me, but don't ever bring my kids into it because I now go mad. And anything you print now would be a lie anyhow. So there you go. I've been 30 years without them saying, well, at least 25 years without them saying anything negative. So touch wood may continue forever. <laughs> when you look back at your... Mr. Motivator time now from the 90s. What are your mm. most favourite memories? Or is there anything where you think, I, I can't believe I did that? I didn't have any of those, you know. I had so much in, enjoyable time. And uh, I've just been blessed that, you know, there's so many organisations and people I've worked with. And, you know, one of the most rewarding thing I ever did was doing a video for people with MS. And I didn't know much about MS. And when I started researching it before I did the video, I realized that you and I, God forbid, could wake up tomorrow and a muscle doesn't work. And often the muscle that doesn't work is the one that keeps your talent together. So you get an artist who the next, you know, next day if they get MS, can't use their fingers in the same way. You know, a guy who plays the guitar, same thing. Someone who sings, the vocal cords go. And so it goes on. And I thought 
life is so cruel sometimes. But I did a, a whole bit of research, work with them for months, right? Um, I'd audition a load of people for the video I did for them, which is still selling to this day. And you'd get into the corner of one room, you get a guy who's standing up tall and he's got MS. And at the far end of the room, you see someone in a wheelchair with MS. And you realize that when you can see what potentially or possibly could be your life ahead, it's not a good view of life. And so if I could bring some cheer and make you understand that you're still blessed and your life story could be a real inspiration to other people. Well, then at least I'm drawing out of you some of that goodness that I know exists, but because of what we're feeling or what we're going through, uh, it tends to keep it down. You know, it keeps it down and doesn't allow it to flower. Okay, it's time to move out of the nostalgia zone and into what I like to call the latted zone, otherwise known as life after that thing I did. Oh my goodness. GMTV in 2000 yeah. and you moved to Jamaica mm -hmm. to semi-retire. What was behind that decision? Um, it wasn't really so much to semi-retire. We had gone to Jamaica a couple of times a few years before that. And our young daughter, um, who used to have all kinds of breathing problems here, we noticed that when she was in Jamaica, she didn't have any. Her name is Abigail. And so I thought, you know what? I don't like the way the station is not producing me the same. At one time when I went on a shoot, I'd have two, three cameras so that way you could capture everything I did. But now that they were at the top of the ratings and everything was going really well, they started cutting back on the production quality of what I was doing. And I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. And I wanted to develop. I also wanted to prove that I was more than this kind of physically driven person because the, the wider, deeper elements of well-being was important to me. Uh, they wouldn't provide me with a vehicle. They wouldn't let me go out and record those items. Uh, they'd rather have someone else in to come and do it. They, in fact, they couldn't see me outside of the box of the physical side. Mm. So with that and our daughter, we decided, look, I've been buying some lands in Jamaica. Let's set things up out there. So we set up a kind of miniature go ape where you can do zip lining and paintballing and ride four-wheel bikes. And you can stay. Um, and we noticed that when Abigail was down there, everything was fine. Of course, as life would have it, as soon as we set things up and started doing a lot of team building with companies, lots of visitors come into the country, they come and see us and, and so on and stay with us. So I started getting busy here. And so I started having to travel in, not once a month, twice a month sometimes. Sometimes I'm on, on my way back. I'd always connect through Miami. I'm on the way back, arrive in Miami. There's a phone message saying, listen, a job has just come up. Can you make your way back? I turn around and literally come back to the UK to do a job. And that's, that's how it has been for a lot of years, a lot of years. You mentioned uh, the zip lining and paintball then a second ago. I think, I don't know if, I've, if I'm making this up, but were you the first person to introduce zip lining and paintball to Jamaica? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It took me initially with the zip lining, it took me about three years to get approval. They kept turning me down um, and not giving me a reason for it to turn on my tourist board license. And I'm one of these people, I'm as straight as a die when it comes to things like that. There was the opportunity to cut corners and pay a man and stuff. And I said, no, thank you. No one's knocking on my door at midnight to say I did you a favor. So the result was in the end, what I had to do was, um, I produced this report, which ran into about 20 pages, illustrating what the importance is of zip lining, how it would be good for the island and stuff like that. Then I drove up to Kingston and dropped it off at the Prime Minister's residence. At his house? Yeah. And 
Uh, three weeks later, I get a call from the tourist board saying that, by the way, we are considering your um, application now. I said, well, I haven't made any changes based on what you were asking me to do. You didn't really specify, but I haven't done any change. Why all of a sudden? Oh, no, no, we're just relooking it. And about four weeks later, I got my tourist board license, opened that up. Then I decided again, creatively, I ought to try paintballing. It's never been done on the island. No one's got it. It's never been there. It took me 10 years. Wow. But I don't give up easily. It took me 10 <laughs> years. And guess what? On the day we were due to, and the month we were due to open, we're getting formed after being held up left, right, and center. I sent my wife and my son to, to America to do a write-up on the paintball business in America because they were worried there's a relationship between crime and paintball. Little rubbish. So we put together this report. We showed that there's no relationship, blah, blah, blah. And then in the end, um, I had to drop it off again to the new prime minister then, who was Mr. Bruce Golding. I drop it off at his residence, right? And I said, listen, I gather that you're going to be opening another paintball place, which is opening the same month as me. And I've had to jump through hoops. I've written the manual that national security people are now adopting for anybody who wants to do paintballing. But yes, I can't get my stuff in the country. Turned out the very guy who wants to be in competition worked at the docks. He was a lawyer working at the docks and he was holding up my stuff. Oh. Right? And while his was coming in, in the end, they relented and national security gave my license and, and I did it. Since then, lots of others have followed. That's life. That's life. I'm not giving up. Was that just thunder I heard yes. in, in the background there? Yeah, it was thunder. Wow. This is Manchester. We have thunder, rain, we have snow, we have sleet all in the space of two hours. That's Manchester. That is proper grumpy weather. <laughs> yeah, he's upset upstairs. He's turning his rocking chair. Um, so even though you're in Jamaica, you mentioned that you were just you were flying backwards and forwards to the UK to keep doing jobs and stuff. And you were I, I think I saw you were like going to festivals, literally warming up the crowds on yeah, stage. Yeah. Um, but you're also traveling all around the world as a motivational speaker as well. So what kind of topics do you usually focus on when you're talking? It's interesting because th the topic I, I focus on has been replicated this last year because in this last year, since March last year, I, I arrived in the country on the 8th of March. I had about 14 festivals in my diary and about eight conferences to talks at. And at my conferences, my talk is always related to your well-being, the importance of you as an individual taking time out, switching off, unplugging from your computer, getting up and playing with the kids, getting up and spending time on just you because you're the most important person in the world and every day being proud of who you are. So it's, it's that kind of upliftment that I was trying to give people with everything. So in March last year, I got a call from Talk Talk who said, look, we're kind of away from our staff and I really feel that we ought to do something. Is there anything you could suggest? So I suggested that we did a 15, 12 minutes of movement to music, no star jumps, no burpees, no press-ups, movement to music, a lot of fun. And then we finished off with a talk that addresses all those issues that we're having to address. But also more than that, focus on the fact that this pandemic is no different to some of the pandemics, personal pandemics we're all going to face in our lives. As we get older, the chances are it's going to happen. It could be, it could be the loss of a loved one. It could be an accident you never planned for. It's uh, that job you never get. They all have a beginning point. 
And they all have a middle when you are doing that middle, you're trying to figure out, is it coming to an end or we just get halfway through it? Are we going to get through it? Am I healing okay? Am I going to be all right? I'm really feeling stressed. How do I cope with my stress? What do I do about it? Uh, here we are. are we, they've told me now the light's at the end of the tunnel. I can see it. And just before you get to the light, it gets dark again. That's life. That's life. And so coping with the pandemic is, is exactly that. So treat the pandemic as one of the life's lessons. And I always say to, in my talk, I say, listen, the difference between school and life is this. In school, you're taught a lesson and then you're given a test. In life, you're given a test which teaches you a lesson. So we've all learned a load of stuff from this last year. I've got loads of takeaways from this last year. But the one thing I know is not important. I don't have to rush out and buy a new T-shirt. It wasn't important the last 15 months. The new car wasn't important. That other television set wasn't important. And yes, so what do we do? We spend all our energies out there trying to get that other TV set at the expense of our health. So shame on you if you don't look after yourself. That's been my talk. That's what I've been talking about. There's a, uh, a saying that I saw in your book that I thought was great, which was, so many people spend their health gaining wealth and then have to spend their wealth to regain their health. Yeah, and there's another final part to that. And all they found was a grave. Many a man has sacrificed his health in pursuit of wealth and then spent his wealth trying to regain his health and all he found was a grave. You see, people forget that you never see a removal van behind a hearse. You never do. Right? So whatever you're striving and working hard for at the expense of the human race, whatever you're doing where you're totally, you don't have time, you're driving your car, you get annoyed, you're driving out of your car, you want to fight that person. And all because you're in pursuit of something that you can't take with you. Shame on you. Far better you just go, let him go on. If he's come in, let him in. You know, when you drive in Jamaica, you never see um, any kind of road rage. If someone cuts you up, let him cut you up, you go. He won't be long before he's cutting up a lamppost. Right. I, I've been to Jamaica and I've learned about Jamaica time. There you go. That's it. That's it. <laughs> if You see, Geneva, if something or someone don't add value to your life, Ignore it, get away from it, whatever. You getting annoyed with someone because they cut you up on the road does not add value to your life at all. In fact, what it can do is get you in trouble. It can get you locked up. You can go overboard. Listen, they say the line between danger and anger is only one letter. It's only one letter. And that danger is something we should be aware of. You are dropping gems all over the place today. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's brilliant. Um, so you had a particularly harrowing incident, though, while you were in Jamaica, which was when you you experienced a, an armed home invasion. Yeah, um, yeah. And if it's not too too traumatic to recount, can you yeah. can you talk a little bit about about what happened? Sure. Well, I mean, picture this: you've got some friends up for the weekend. Couple, they'll come up with their two children. Um, they're gun holders, these two. So you say to them, well, you're safe here. Let me have your guns. So we take our guns and put them upstairs, get them out of the way. Right? And we're all in the kitchen, uh, sitting down eating and talking and laughing. And I looked over to the left-hand side, and there's a side door. And I noticed that I saw it open and I saw someone run in. And before I knew it, about eight people ran in. One of them had a gun, rest had knives and machetes and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to be robbed. And the first thing they did when they came in was they actually tied us up and put us on the floor. They did a, what they call it, with a gun, with one guy that hit him in his head and, and they tied us up and we're on the ground. And I'll always remember, which is the most upsetting thing for any father, and he'll tell you this, any male, you don't like feeling helpless. 
You don't like feeling hopeless, right? You want to be the one that actually, you know, you're the guardian angel of your family. You want to be the one that cocoons everybody in a suit of armor. And so when you're tied up, right, I remember I didn't put my hands together as he wanted. I keep my fingers apart, slightly apart. Um, so that way, when he tied my wrist, I could actually break myself loose without him knowing. So we're down on the floor, and I always remember my daughter saying, Dad, why are these men doing this? But I knew who it was, and I knew that he had brought me, and he was the builder, and I knew it. And the reason why I knew it was because there were certain clues. Number one, I had an underground safe in a little room. It was built into the ground. And he brought over the lid of the safe. But I knew from about a year before when I got rid of him that there was a key missing. So I stopped putting anything in that safe. So he used the key that was missing to open the safe and didn't get anything. So he comes over to me and one guy's flashing a knife in my face and gun my head and said, where's all your money and stuff like that? So I said, it's upstairs. So he called my wife, want to take my wife upstairs. I said, no, it's got me. She doesn't know the combination I got. So I went up, my hands are still tied. They undid it, so I had my hands in front, warned me, don't, you know, do anything. So I opened the safe, and they took all the cash out, and there was all our jewelry that we didn't normally wear down, they took it out. Right? Some of them have more sentimental value than anything else. And um, and then the guy made a mistake. You see, I knew from before it was him, but he made a second mistake. Now, imagine you're in a group of eight people, and there's only one person wearing a mask. That indicates that's a stupid, that's a stupid thief. Because if you're the only one wearing a mask, it means that I must know you. Otherwise, why are you wearing a mask? Yeah. <laughs> so he says to me, uh, this jewelry is a costume jewelry. As soon as I said that, I said, pardon? He wouldn't repeat it. And the reason why I wouldn't repeat it is because years before I used to be in a costume jewelry business. And I used to send down loads of costume jewelry fame to give all his friends. So that's the only reason, because any thief would just take the jewelry and go. You wouldn't go. Is this real? You never, come on, you don't ask the question. That's what he's basically saying. So they, they got away and, um, and then, you know, I got myself free and loosened everybody out, up and, um, traumatic, traumatic. Um, it was more traumatic for everybody else, uh, than me. The thing is, one of them in about, about two weeks afterwards managed to get himself killed. And all thieves do because eventually you think if you get away with it, one, one person, you can get away with it. another person. One got killed and so on. And we recovered some of the stuff, not the jewelry, but it didn't matter. What was the lesson I learned from it? Number one, we hadn't done our security. We hadn't finished the house and we hadn't built the fence. The dogs weren't out. They were late going out. That's number one. Number two, let people earn your trust before you let them in. And I hadn't really done that, right? You must do that in life because sometimes we're too trusting. And the very people we trust can be the people who let us down. And number three is that, and I mentioned it earlier, you know, that it's really important that if something or someone don't add value to your life, get rid of it. All this jewelry I had and stuff like that, we weren't wearing it. So what joy are we getting out of it? Nothing. So now if I can't wear it, I don't want it. But the, the saving grace of it all is my, I'd had my wife, um, engagement ring it was made at Hatton Garden through a friend of mine and I thought we'd lost that but that wife of mine she's so clever she put it in her mouth without anybody knowing <laughs> so they didn't get it so clever that she thought about that though I know that's how she is listen my wife is the kind of person the microwave's not working so naturally people go well maybe the plug let me change the fuse not her she says to herself maybe it's the pad that's not working so what i'm going to do is i'm going to get a little uh, hair dryer i'm going to heat it up and see if that works that's what she did and it worked that's my wife 
Who would have thought of that? I wouldn't. <laughs> so you you came back to the UK a couple of years ago and you returned to our TV screens last year at the start of the pandemic to help exercise the nation again. Yeah. And you kind of hinted before that there was a bit of a falling out with, with GMTV. You mentioned it in your book as well, where um, they kind of wanted to start taking a percentage of all your earnings and yeah. d- offer you a very good DVD fitness deal where no, they kind of wanted 30% of share. Well, sorry, no, they only offered you 30% of the share profits. But did that kind of experience with them have anything to do with you moving to rival BBC breakfast programming this time around? Uh, no, not, not at all. Not at all. Um, Look, GMTV is no more. It's GMB now. Uh, GMTV gained from my being around. They did. They made a lot. My first video, they made over a million pounds in my first video. They went a lot. Um, I believe that if they wanted me to do a video, it's because of my ability, not because of their idea. And anyhow, all the videos I ever did were my idea, my concept, my music choices, location, camera crew, production crew, the whole lot. They were being greedy. And so I said to them, I'm not prepared. It wasn't 30%. They offered me 12% of what they were getting. Yeah. And I said, no. I said, I'll not do it. And I was told by the then person uh, in charge, editor, he said to me, if you don't do it, you will not work for GMTV again. And you won't survive out there without GMTV. I said, just watch me. And I walked out. I walked out. I won't let anybody walk on my grave. And it's important that we all recognize that we have we have an ability. We all have this ability. We all have a God-given talent. Every one of us have a talent. Just as sometimes what we do is we let other people put a cloth over it so you don't shine through. Don't let that ever happen. Believe in yourself. Don't wait for your ship to come in. Swim out to it. Yeah, no one owes you any favors. But en route, don't try and do it alone. If you want to go fast, yeah, go alone. But if you want to be around for a long while, try and do it with a team of people around you. That's what you got to do with life, you know. We can't be doing it alone. Yeah. So let's talk about what you've been doing over the past year. Um, because you've done so much over the pandemic, which saw you rewarded with an honour from the Queen, an MBE. Congratulations. Mm, thank you. Uh, for your services to health and fitness. And you did so much work for charities, for the NHS, schools, care homes, doing all your free online fitness classes. Yeah, I do. And the reason why I do it, I tell you why I do it. It's something great. There's something kind of lovely when you do something that benefits you, but it benefits other people. So imagine I'm doing fitness, which keeps me healthy and active. And at the same time, it's putting joy out there. So listen, that's why I've created an online club. And the club, the whole idea is to make it accessible for everybody. No one should be excluded from fitness. So what have I done? I get called up by charities all the time saying, will you do a workout for us to raise money? So I decided... Now, what I'm going to do over the next year is every month nominate one charity and I'll allocate one of my Wednesday classes for them so they can use it for promotion, for raising funds, for donations or whatever. And I'll help them. I'll do promotion little videos that they can send out to say, join the class, whatever they need. So at the moment, I've got an abundance of charities, everything from Parkinson right through to Cancer Research UK, who I'm doing work for. They've all allocated that taking a date that they particularly like in a particular month and I'm working to help them because I tell you something I'm convinced this paying forward works and I don't do it for that but I know for me personally that there have been so many good things that's happened to me over the years and that is because I believe wholeheartedly that if we all look after each other you'll get a personal satisfaction 
And your kids could benefit from the fact that one day you help someone out. Why not help people? Why not? Come on. It's going to make you feel good anyhow. That's why I do it. So let's talk a bit more about your club because it's, I mean, this is serious stuff, your club. Mm. <laughs> so you've got a whole team of people that give fitness classes, Pilates, mindfulness, yeah. cookery. Yeah mental health workouts and I know you've targeted it to people that you call in the forgotten groups yes do you want to explain a bit more about what you mean about that you know what it's not initially it was going to be just for older people but there are lots of people in in our society that we forget about we forget about care homes we forget about people who are maybe on breadline forget about people who you know just are hungry but they really would like to look after themselves so Listen, I, with the club, I mean, I don't even think about, it's not for me making money because listen, we charge £6.99 for it. But right now we're doing a special deal where you can bring a buddy along and they can share that membership. We're also doing almost a freebie to all NHS workers, right? Where they can join literally for free. We're only two days ago, I was talking, to, three days ago, I was talking to some doctors from Haringey who have started referring loads of, one doctor alone has referred over a hundred patients to us, wow. right? Um, for, for, for care and looking after and so i think to myself why don't i do something for the doctors so at the moment i got a deal for doctors where they can join for two pounds a month that kind of stuff you must not give people things for free they place no value on it when you place it for free and so it's far better you charge two pounds so you feel like they're paying towards something because trust me the person who pays two pounds will make demands on you the same as the person who pays six to nine mm. the person you give it to for free will make no demands on you they won't even do it. They won't even sign on. So that's the club. And you know what? We do life lessons. I do interv- I interview people who have wonderful stories to tell. Recently, I had the wonderful occasion of interviewing a lady who had both hands and both feet uh, taken off. But then she had a double hand transplant. Wow. And her story is so uplifting. And so it makes you think to yourself, well, look, what am I going through? What if I'm going through? It pales in significance to what this lady has been through. And yes, still... She's smiling away and laughing away. So that's why I said to you earlier on, everybody's life story can be an inspiration to others. And so that's what we do in the club. There's chat rooms, there's live chats. I've got loads coming up uh, with people uh, coming up. We did a mental health one a week ago. We've got a couple of well-known people joining us to do a live chat. And it's all going to be about health and wellness. I mean, I've always thought that there's no kind of big secret to, I guess, weight loss especially. It's kind of like move more, eat less. Um, and I'm guilty of putting on some pounds over lockdown as well. But why do we find it so hard to do or, or even get started, do you think? Well, there's a number of reasons. One is I don't think our focus should ever be on weight loss. Because when we focus on weight loss, what we do is we think we've got to deprive to get weight loss. And I say to people, sensible eating. If you do sensible eating, guess what? The weight will come up. But in sensible eating, you need a sensible lifestyle. Sensible lifestyle means you've got to recognize if you've got a dog in your home, and you don't take it out for a walk, what's it going to do? It's going to mess on the carpet. It's going to rip open your furniture. It's going to do everything right to tell you, I've got to go out and burn off some energy. So if I can get you to go and burn off some energy, I know that the weight loss will come. I've got in my classes that I do free classes on a Wednesday, for example, for all these different groups. Join us, Down Syndrome Association, Parkinson, maybe they all join in. And every one of them will tell you that they've either lost weight or they're feeling better about themselves. So you got to choose wisely what you do. That's the first thing. If you want to be continuous, you want to stick to it, you got to choose something you like doing. You must not choose something which requires you to drive 10 miles to it. Because if you do, the moment the weather closes in, you're not going to go. 
And also you've got to kind of every day get dressed for that thing that you really want to do. So you put your trainers on, get dressed for business, put music on in your home. You're creating the right environment for you to motivate yourself in. If you don't do that, you'll never, ever keep it going. You'll always fall off. And also find a buddy. Find someone who wants to journey with you. You know, don't call it a weight loss journey. Call it a lifestyle change, if you like. And just, and just go for it. Stop the old terminology because the old terminology does not work. We've all heard from the doctors, from the physicians, from the politicians, 150 minutes a week you got to do. That's straight away in your brain tells you don't do it. But if I say to you, do six minutes today, the chances are you'll do 12 minutes tomorrow because that's manageable. And before you know it, you're up to 150 minutes a week. Why? Because I've got you brushing your teeth. The first time your parents taught you to brush your teeth or tie your shoelace was difficult. But the more you did it, the more it became easier. And the more you started putting your own style into it and brushing your teeth, now you do it. You don't go, I'm going to leave home and not brush my teeth. And it becomes habit as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it becomes a habit. That's what it is. Um, I hope you don't mind me saying, but you are 68 now. Yeah, 69 this year. And you are in tip-top condition. I've, I've seen your uh, your topless pictures on Instagram. <laughs> You're not supposed to be looking. It's 18 plus. How dare you? But um, but you do work out every day. So I was wondering, do you still feel guilty if you miss one day of exercise? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, I do. I, I do. And, and in particular, as you get older, what happens is you get older, the, the, your muscles, in terms of any work you put it through today, you'll feel the effects tomorrow. So the trick is to do something every day and make it varied. And that way you minimize your aches and pains. But the day I don't do something, and it doesn't have to be much. Right now, if you just sit up straight, orange between your shoulder blades, squeeze the juice out of the orange, your posture has changed. I'm doing it now. Your posture has changed. <laughs> if you squeeze your thighs together and your knees together and your feet together and squeeze tight, imagine trying to lift up the chair. That's a lift door closing. Close that lift door and hold it 20, 30 seconds. Or if it's a lift door, you're going up to the 19th floor. Keep squeezing. You're working your pelvic floor muscle. So you don't have to do much. You don't have to do much. And men need to do the pelvic floor as well. Men tend to think it's for women. No! Men, you do it. Because as you get older, your prostate's going to start playing up. If you've got more control on your flow from now, guess what? You'll be okay in later life. Wise words. Thank you. Um, <laughs> last question before we leave. Yeah. Are you still stealing spoons? Now, you see, it's funny. That's the only question that you have asked that no one else has asked. My klepto. <laughs> you see, I reckon I got permission. The day you go out with a policeman, right, and his girlfriend to eat, and they look at the spoon and the fork and go, these are beautiful, <laughs> right? And, uh, and you can hear the clank in their, in their bag as they're going out through the door. You realize that you've been given permission to do it. <laughs> I haven't done it recently. <laughs> which spoons are you particularly proud of you know some places you go to the shape of the spoon or the fork or whatever it is and the weight of it you're really kind of nice right i wish i had one to show you but uh british airways do some great ones and first class in virgin is even better now you see richard branson's clever because there's salt and pepper pot in um first class if you turn it over oh yeah underneath on their feet it says right. it was pinched from virgin so virgin <laughs> That's the way to do it. <laughs> How many people take towels from hotels? Not me, but people do. But you'll take their spoons. <laughs> yeah, it's gotta be it's gotta be classy. It's gotta have either beautiful shape to it. It's just gotta be good. Otherwise I can't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, we 
Mr. Motivator, thank you so much for speaking with me today. It's been a joy. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Massive thanks again to Derek for joining me. I was certainly inspired by him. And if you were too, you can find out more information and join his motivation club at mrmotivatorsclub.com. Derek actually invited me to join one of his live workout sessions the day we chatted and I got my dad to do it with me too and it was great for both our levels of fitness. It was also like having a personal trainer because Derek could actually see us while we worked out to check we were doing it properly and hadn't collapsed in a heap and he gave my dad a couple of shout outs for encouragement which he loved. So why not give the free trial a go? You can also find Mr. Motivator on YouTube, Twitter and Instagram. All the links are in the show notes. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Celebrity Catch Up. As I always say, I know there's lots of podcasts to choose from. So thank you so much for choosing this one. If you'd like to support the show, visit the shop at celebritycatchup.com or the support page where you can donate the cost of a coffee or whatever you'd like, which will help pay the running costs and keep the lights on. And please don't keep the podcast to yourself. Do share it with a friend or on social media so that others can discover and enjoy it too. Hit that follow button, leave a nice review. All that stuff massively helps me out and keeps the podcast going. Until next time, thanks for listening. Listening.